Okay, so uh, it is, and, it, and the name of this recording says Stern Drive. That's your new address. Oh, okay. So this is uh, uh, Friday, July 21st, and I'm sitting here in Genoa with Bill in their brand new uh, luxury town. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, not townhouse, condo. Yeah. In Genoa, Illinois, and uh, they've got a beautiful place, but we'll cover some more about that some other time. Um, so, Bill, yeah, w- w- what we've talked about so far is I wanted to get everybody's uh, uh Ideas on how life has changed, or something in your life has changed, or something in the world around you. Um, I mm. want to leave that all wide open. But something that's uh, the biggest difference you think in your life uh, since you were a kid, and then a story that you think we may not have heard. And you can de- do these in either order. There's no, okay. uh, there's no well, requirement. You know, as far as uh, differences from the '50s on two thirty one Global. Yeah, to all the different places we've moved, like every ten years, <laughs> uh, is quite significant. And uh, there are various things I've been thinking about as to what what to call on as a uh, a worthy subject. And that, you know, I guess one of the one of the things that's so different is I don't I don't think uh, most of us experienced any form of privacy working, uh, living in the home. Uh, under one roof with one bathroom and uh, one mom and dad and, and, a, and a strict set of rules for <laughs> us to try to follow. Yes. Some more than others. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, privacy is one thing I never experienced growing up, so yeah. I kind of had to learn that on the fly. Kind of like dance, you know. Some people go to school and college and take ballroom dance. I, I took barroom dance, and my <laughs> skill set is impacted accordingly. <laughs> barroom. I didn't know such a thing existed. Oh, yeah. Okay, barroom dancing, okay. And, of course, uh, that leads me to a, a childhood experience with uh, Stu Stanish. For whatever reason, um, well, it was because Indy 500, we wound up going to the Indy 500 time trials in Stu's real dad's RV, which was converted from a school bus. Oh, wow. So that was quite different than, you know, going to Washington, D.C. in in the Blue Goose. No, it wasn't the Blue. It was the Volkswagen bus. Oh, Volkswagen. You probably are too young to to even know what that means. I don't know if I even went on that one. I'm not sure either, I guess. I know there were a couple of times that the LKs were left back at uh, at Lombard. But it didn't matter because we were too young to know we were missing out. Wow. Well, anyway. Anyway. We digress. <laughs> so, you know, vacations are different, and uh, just day-to-day experiences are different when when you're part of a big group and you really, you don't have a lot of rights. No. You no, know, the individual. And, and, and so when, when you translate that into the high school years, for me, mm-hmm. there's no freaking way I'm bringing a girl home from the or, or even talking about a date because I'll get chewed up one side down and spit out the other, you know. So I, it just, I just didn't do it. It, it wasn't a priority I yeah. could manage. And I do remember attempting certain dates. But I, I worked at the news agency on Friday night uh, as a teenager before I had my license, you know, and asking Dad to take me on a date, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's not. It doesn't seem to work, you know. I mean, I did Al no. Mattello, if you remember that name. I remember the name, the Mattellos. Yeah, yeah. he died yeah. in a car accident. Oh, uh, they were Sacred Heart people, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, at first they were Italians from Chicago. <laughs> okay. They had the concrete driveway on day one, a brick house. 
oh. a living room that nobody could go into. Oh. All nice furniture with the plastic. Did it have, I was just going to ask you, did it have plastic on of the... Of course. <laughs> but, and the grandma, uh, you know, she couldn't speak a word of English. She no. lived in the basement, and the rest of the family lived on the main floor. And upstairs. Uh, we would go over there after school because Al was allowed to watch, you know, Batman and all the other cool shows that were on TV before supper. TV before supper was a was a, a big, big privilege. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay, so you had so the privacy thing. Yeah, that that that's a good way to put it. There was no real uh, individual. Uh, uh, there, there wasn't really a lot of consideration for the individual. Uh, uh, right. Yeah, it was for the good of all existence. Yeah, uh, that was the, the prime directive. If there was By necessity, one. right? Huh? By necessity. I mean, if you yeah. have 12 kids, yeah. there's not a lot of room for that individual right. freedom or, or privacy. So anyway, so okay. that was... Uh, and uh, so the beginning of the end of living in the commune, if I can call it that, was uh, at a supper table event one night. And probably a lot of people know this one, but uh, one of the big rules was if kids came over to call on us while we were having supper... Even if it was summertime and the screen door was closed, and, but the main door was open, kids could come up on the back porch. If they saw that we were eating, they wouldn't even knock. They would turn around and go. Now, the exceptions being maybe Craig Newt. Hey, Bill, did you eat yet? <laughs> oh, Jew? No, Jew? <laughs> no, it, it was, was Craig calling in from the back porch? Probably. And <laughs> Dad, Dad must have frowned upon that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that, it wasn't a rule breaker because I didn't inst- instigate it. You know. <laughs> But, you know, fast forward a bit there. Uh, one night I'm sitting on the end of the table by the phone. And Dad was on the far end. Yeah. And the phone rang, and I, I knew how this was going to go. I wasn't going to let it ring six times. I got it at the ring one. I says, we're eating supper. Who do you want? They'll call you back. Bye. Boom. Okay. And in that kind of time frame, Dad had stopped eating, and he was uh, glaring at me. Uh-huh. You were supposed to have just let it ring until they yeah. gave up and hung up. Yeah. Okay. And Dad says, uh, Bill, you know, uh, we don't answer the phone during dinner time around here. And un, uh, unusual for me, I said something in reply. That, that, was, that was not... Dad, if we have a phone, maybe we should answer it. <laughs> oh, 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 really, Bill? <laughs> and he's cutting and getting ready for his neck. Well, if that's what you really think, maybe you ought to start thinking about moving out or, you know... Going somewhere else because here we don't answer the phone at dinner time, and that was that was the end of the conversation. My way or the highway. Yeah. So and you know, within months, I was living at International Village with uh, Mr. Ed, Mr. Z. Would Would you say it was a direct consequence of that incident, or had no? It been... I mean, I, obviously the wheels were at least starting to turn in that direction because you know I I was done being. Uh, living without privacy and I thought you know I, I can do anything <laughs> how old were you when this happened well it was after high school so it was probably 67 or 68 so you were 18 or more just 18 probably yeah and, it, and you felt like you were ready to go stretch your legs oh and yeah and I had already uh, finagled a purchase of a car before graduation which was also verboten yes yes but on a need-to-have basis, <laughs> I found one of my buddies at high school, uh, Procopius Academy, uh-huh. um, his dad worked at Western Electric. Okay. And Western Electric originally was in Chicago, but he had moved out to this humongous campus, was a warehouse for telephones. 
Okay. And was that in, and, Lom- in Lombard? Oh, no, uh, West Chicago, right, West Chicago. right okay. off the skirts of the airport, the DuPage airport, mm-hmm. and uh, Pheasant Run out, yep. out in that vicinity. And he was able to uh, recommend kids for summer hires. Okay. And he put in a word for me. I went and interviewed, and I got a job uh, offer for uh, second shift, four to midnight or some, something like that. Yeah. And so I presented that situation. Before I could take the job, I had to get <coughs> excuse me permission. So I says, well, Dad, what if um, I have a job to go to? And I can't get there by bicycle because it's just too far. Yeah. And, uh, and it's and nice the schedule time. of the yeah. day doesn't allow that much time. Blah, 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 blah. Could I could then get a car? Well, Billy, you know, we have this room. <laughs> but after some discussion, he conceded. But there were some, uh, you know, strings attached. Okay. He had to be in on the shopping end of the car buying oh. uh, Process. transaction. Yeah. He didn't want me going out buying some race car or something. Yeah. Well, I did have a... A little Harley motorcycle I bought from Mr. Siepel, but it was a POS. It was, okay. Uh, it was a small mo- motorcycle. Yeah. And I was putzing around on that, but... Uh, Did that violate the rule about no cars until that process? No, somehow that was <laughs> tolerated. I will just say it was tolerated. But I managed to modify it to the point where it stopped being operable. Oh. And, oh. and that's maybe a story nobody cares about or ever heard about it <laughs> happen. I, I had to put a bigger engine on it. So well, you can't the frame that. and make room. Yeah. And I didn't have a welder yet or none of that stuff. You know, Santa wasn't quite that friendly to didn't me. Didn't have a welder yet. <laughs> I love that part. I didn't have. I didn't own a welder yet. And, or and, or know. a brazing torch. You know, even acetylene and oxygen would have been fine. Well, for a few <laughs> miles anyway. Oh uh, man. So okay. Anyway, so you want so, to be in on the on the car purchase? Yeah. So we go process. out and we shopping around, and as we speak. I'm sitting here watching Perry Mason episodes at night after the 10 o'clock news till I, you know, my eyes start to close. Yeah. And I'm, I'm picking out different model cars. And you can say, you know, early in the Perry Mason series, he's driving these beater Fords. Then he's into Lincoln Continentals. And, oh. You know, so his status improved during this series. Yeah. So you There's are- a 62 Ford Galaxy 500. And I know that. Why? Because that was my first car. Oh, okay. A, a, a coupe. 62 Galaxy, a Ford Galaxy 500. Yeah, but it had a 292 V8. It only had a two-barrel car, but eh, it was a V8. It only had single exhaust. And, you know, of course, Dad was saying, you know, Phil, this is, I can see, you know, being a, you know, I'll give you permission to, to, to buy this car. And then on the way home, uh, well, after we was talking, okay, but... Don't go spending all your hard-earned money. You're gonna, you're not gonna have. I had like thirty-six hundred dollars in the bank. Oh, so you had saved up thirty. That's pretty good money. For, oh yeah, those are six mid sixties dollars. So that was yeah, a lot that of money. Was, you could buy this car. I bought for, I don't know, twelve hundred bucks. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. So you had saved up a nice, <coughs> a so nice. I bought a five-year-old uh, car for twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, and, and could afford it. Oh yeah, and I had to get the dual exhaust. <laughs> I had to put the the leaf spring risers on the back to jack it up a little bit and glass packs and had to have red uh, red line wide oval tires i mean everybody it was anybody had those well who would who could who could avoid you know who could, who rear, could think any otherwise a rear speaker and a reverb for it you know so because all we had was an am radio how did you learn all of these skills uh 
you talked about, you know, welding something in and all these engine and engine modifications and body modifications. How did you learn all this? Where, where did you learn all this? Well, me and Craig had collaborated on a number of projects by that time. <laughs> but you guys... I financed his purchase of a fiberglass body for a Volkswagen, a kit car. It was like $650 in the day. At the age of? Before graduating high school. So had Ed, guys, Ed, Ed had, had tried to nix that, and uh, he says, Bill, he's never going to pay you back. never going to pay back for that. Craig knew it is, you know. And was he right? Was Dad right? No. He Craig did, did pay me back. He paid you back. Okay. Uh, All right. But anyway, we, we had to learn a lot of things to get that project going. <laughs> did, you learn, did you just learn these by the seat of your pants? Because you well, weren't taking shop classes at St. Procopius Academy. No, no, they didn't have shop. No. And that's why Dave. That's why Dave left Montini. He wanted to take. Yeah. Besides the fact that these Christian brothers and nuns made him follow a whole well, bunch of rules know, he didn't like. <laughs> if we back up the, uh, you know, rewind it back into the uh, ten to twelve year old time frame, Grandpa Glidden was coming up every summer to work on stuff with Dad. Oh. And uh, I'm not sure when Ben Junior died, but. Uh, I had interest in the soapbox derby thing, mm. and you may you probably don't even remember that. I do remember the soapbox derby. I didn't build one. Yeah, uh, but I remember that what it was, and you had to build your own little. Yeah, and uh, Uncle Tom Graham uh, inter- advocated for me at the dealership uh, at the Chevy dealer in Villa Park because uh, Lombard didn't have one Chevy dealer, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chevy dealer in Oak Park didn't actively participate in the soapbox derby thing. Right. So Uncle Tom Graham wrote a letter to General Motors suggesting that they uh, send a wheel and axle kit to the dealership so that I could pay for it and pick it up there because I was, I was going to make a soapbox derby car, yada, yada, yada. Wow. So GM made these uh Well, they were parts? sponsors of the... Oh, okay, okay. And, and, and one of the things you had... Everybody had to buy the same set of axles and wheels. Right, That's so keep it and, all fair. And, well, and safe. And safe. <laughs> Safe, safe. In, safe in quotation marks. Because soapbox derby is not going to work with just a, the biggest nail you can find pounded through the middle of a two-by-four with rope steering. Right. No. Right. They, so they had a steering column and a little wheel. looked like a race car steering wheel. Yeah. And a system of cables that you had to follow to the letter. And, in fact, Grandpa Glidden came up. Uh, one of the summers that he came up, he helped me bend the water pipe that you had to put this cable through. It had to be attached to the floor with these clamps and stuff, and a cable clamp here and a, and a wooden pedal mm-hmm. with an inspection hole that big so they could look at, the, at what you did use instead of a nail in the, in the steering. <laughs> and make sure you hadn't... Uh, modified any of the... Modified, yeah. yeah, so and so you had to buy the kit that had these critical ingredients, but it had to have this pipe that bent up so that it could attach to the wooden pedal. Yeah. How are we going to bend it? This is it's a half-inch galvanized pipe. So it's pretty, it's pretty sturdy, substantial stuff. Yeah, you hit somebody with that, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> permanent. Well, all right, you stay over there, just watch. You know. And I had a couple pieces of uh, four by four redwood from making different parts of the car that had to be anchored. Okay. So I had this heavy wooden thing. He stacked up a couple of them on the basement floor, and he takes the pipe and whack. And he did a few test hits. And Bill is making a motion like someone pounding a stake into yeah, the ground. Yeah, like a sledgehammer. Sledgehammer, yeah. yeah. And, and then he said, okay, now just stay put. Wham! And when you bend a, a round pipe on a mandrel, it's like something that has a, 
a supportive surface for the pipe to collapse around. Okay. So, because if you don't have that, the pipe is going to kink in the middle. Correct. And it's going to yeah. close off. And that's no good because you had to run something through that. Yeah. So he adjusted the, the hit point on the pipes to, to avoid collapsing the yeah. pipe. So he accomplished a mandrel bend without a mandrel, without a hydraulic cylinder, or any of that shit. That Ben Glidden was a was a problem solver. So you were so you were a big fan of Ben Glidden. He oh, was, yeah. yeah, and I think he Okay, we just paused for a second. We're back. Anyway, yeah. so... So, ben... Grandpa Glidden uh, realized that I had aptitudes for certain things and yeah. uh, wanted to embellish them if he could. Yeah, develop all your, your aptitudes. Yeah, and I think his son was an engineer, and he oh, saw... Some of that. Uh, some of those skills showing up in, in my interests. Yeah, and, you know, bravo for, for Ben uh, uh, stepping in like that. Is that, do you think that, uh, is Ben how dad learned a lot of his uh, how-to skills? Or did dad learn that stuff in the Navy, in the uh, Air Force? Army, uh, yeah, dad learned a lot in the Army. As a matter of fact, you know, when I was tinkering with different things, he said, Bill, the first thing you need to do is a good visual inspection. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> how do you spell that? <laughs> you mean I got to stop doing this? Yes, take visual. a good visual. Because he had that from the from the military. Yeah, trying to keep a radio on frequency at thirty thousand feet with the minimal heating that they probably had. Oh, yeah, it was, and no crystals. They didn't have crystal radio yet. So it was in bone chilling cold and, and uh, inductor and capacitor banks oh, that you gosh. plugged in something the size almost of this into the radio if you want to change channels. You know? Yeah, and then then you have to still fine tune. Oh yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, that's that's my that's code. <laughs> and he had he figured out how to so, do all that. But then Dad worked with Ben on uh, steam fitting projects uh, for oh, yeah. work for a while, and uh, I'm not sure how long that was. But I know Dad slipped and fell and broke the lower part of his back. That's how he hurt his back. Yeah. Oh. So yes, Dad and Ben had a working relationship, but it wasn't like uh, me and Ben. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I have. Uh, vague memories of Ben. I remember him uh, coming over, and I remember how he, I, I can picture his face, and I can remember his hands were gnarled and, and yeah. arthritic, and uh, and his tone of voice, and he would uh, he would have a very expressive face. Mm -hmm. I remember that too. Yeah, we have some of the albums that Ben and Lila maintained. Oh, pictures of them at picnicking in uh, Lake Como. Yeah, which is. Up in Wisconsin. And, and who's whipping around saying something to the cameraman? Ben Blitz. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. There uh, might be a little bit of Ben in a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, but I got, I, uh, I'm glad I had time uh, with him because yeah. it, it did help me develop. Now, I had some time with Dad, too, Ben. Mm -hmm. But here's a story in contrast. Okay. I come home one night from Northern to work on the weekend. You and Ann are doing dishes, and you were mad about something with Dad. <laughs> what? Wait, I was mad about something? Yes. What? And I said, gee, where's Jimmy? Where's Dad? Oh, Dad's... Well, Jimmy was at football practice, and Dad was had gone to go pick him up and bring him home from football practice. I said, well, good grief. Things do change a lot around here. Because he got a ride home from football practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got in trouble because I was riding my bicycle, a John Tyne hand-me-down, which was... Bigger than I was, 
uh, from our house to the very south end of town. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Hoy School. So, yeah, I remember where Peter Hoy is, yeah. One south, of my, one of my buddies from Northern, by the way, married Chris Hoy. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but anyway, I'm riding down West Road, mm-hmm. hit a chuck hole, popped a tire, and uh, couldn't continue on my trek. Yeah. So I walked home, <clears throat> and I left the bike because it was, uh, like I say, it was, it was hard to push it. Yeah. It was okay if it was fully operational, but <laughs> without a back tire, it was beyond my ability to push. And Dad had come home a little late, and it was eating supper and had no inclination to hop out the door and take me back to the bike. And he says, you can wait, you know. Yeah, yeah. So after he had done his supper and probably paying some bills over on the desk in the living room and so on and so forth. Okay, now it's like 8 o'clock-ish or whatever. It's kind of getting dark. We go pick up the bike, bring it home. Walk it down to the basement, and it was time to learn bicycle maintenance 101. Oh, so he took you down and showed you. Well, he watched me take it apart, and he mm-hmm. kind of coached me through it. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, it, it didn't stop. It didn't start and stop with the flat tire. Oh, okay. It was time to do a little preventive maintenance on the new departure brake. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, what's that? Well, here you take off this. Take on Boom, now we got the whole... All kinds of parts laying out on the ground, yeah, on, the, yeah. on the basement floor. Right, right. I had never done this shit before. Yeah. He said, all right, now here's how this works. That little L-shaped bracket that attaches the frame, that holds this piece still so that while you're riding down the road, it's a coaster, it's a coaster brake. It doesn't have any braking power unless you backpedal the back. Yeah, pedal. yeah. You put a shove well, down. Of course, yeah, that's how it stops. You got to backpedal. Well, why does it do that? <laughs> so, well, look in the hub. Okay, now look from the other side. See anything different? No, it's just, it's got those three grooves and the, you know, grease on it and all that. Look again. And we probably were 10 minutes figuring out that one, one end of this hub was a different diameter than the other. Ah, gotcha. So when this assembly of alternating discs, some with teeth and some with no teeth but asbestos, Material, when they got pushed to the skinny end of the hub, that's where they applied the friction to that, that slow down the, the wheels. Yeah, yeah. So you had to do a good visual inspection. Yeah, is what, what Dad was. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well. So anyway, so okay. that got me started on the mechanical side of things. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And even as I went to college, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go electrical or mechanical, but I did think electrical was neater, so I went electrical. But and. Uh, but the, but that process. So my question was, how did you get started? That's how you got started, really. Yeah. With, with Ben and Dad. Yeah. Uh, Dad showing first, you how to, actually. How to do stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Dad first. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then of course that piqued your curiosity, and you probed and explored and and uh, investigated every yeah. chance you got. Oh yeah. And uh, and and screwed around with Craig Newt. Oh. <laughs> so here we are. Now we're in high school. You know, almost done with high school, and Craig wants to build an Avenger GT12. Wow. <laughs> But I got no money. Yeah, so, I, so I loaned him the money and he ordered it. And we're, okay. It's going to be six-week delivery. Oh, we got to wait for six weeks. Yeah. But anyway, in the meantime, uh, he had a host vehicle, but it still had the body on the... Uh, it had a Volkswagen, okay? And it didn't run. <laughs> I don't remember if it even had the engine anymore, but here's Craig's got this thing, and, and we're trying to figure out, well, you know, 
that body is only held on by these little nuts and bolts all around the floor pan. <laughs> we take that off, it should come apart. Yeah, but whose house are we going to do this at? Because now we're going to have two pieces of junk sitting around. Right. Well, can't do it in my house. <laughs> Enter John Gray. John Gray. Yeah. So this is a story probably nobody <laughs> heard before. <laughs> it should suffice. <laughs> oh, and Charlie Klein was still with us then. So and and the Green Boys, you know, Greg and Herbie, and me and Craig, John. So we get over to John's house, and the deal was we could get it, tear it apart, and we could leave it there for a while, but we had to get rid of it eventually, you know, although we didn't have anything signed in, in, in blood or paper <laughs> or ink or nothing. And I don't know how we got rid of that, but anyway, we tore it apart. I remember we tipped it over on its side. Wow. So the engine had to be out of it because we probably yeah. couldn't have done you that. You tipped a Volkswagen over? Yeah. Without its engine, okay. Yeah. And then we took all the bolts off, uh, off the floor pan, which was, you know, probably... 50, 60, 80. Yeah. Maybe not that many. But anyway, and a couple of white slams with a sledgehammer. Oh, yeah, it's coming apart. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, and then it just kind of like a, a sardine can kind of opened up yeah. and uh, we separated and put it back on its wheels. And now, now the back wheels of the Volkswagen were like on an angle because it was sitting way high because yeah. there was no weight on it. <laughs> and then we pushed that back to the the newt garage area and left the body at uh, gray's residence for i don't know how uh, so we'll have to check in with john see if he remembers how that, how that all worked out but anyway he was a, a key piece of the puzzle at, uh, at the time john gray yeah well and then mechanical stuff mr newt larry oh uh he had a 53 pontiac straight eight automatic car that he, okay. he drove from Global Drive to Bollinger's, plus or minus, and took the train down to Chicago every day for his job. Gotcha. And when he came back, he reversed the trip, and when he got on Global Drive, he'd stand on it. <laughs> and a straight eight, even with a muffler, you could tell it was different than all the other cars in the neighborhood, because it was... It had some muscle. It's a lot of torque. He was letting everybody in the neighborhood know he was back. Yeah, and, and he didn't go 90 miles an hour on Goble, but he probably went up to 35 or 40, which was... But yeah. he, uh, at first block, he knew we would be tuning in, so to speak. <laughs> and then he would slow down to maybe 25, cut it real hard, and drift into his driveway, into the garage, and then boom, on the brakes Slam in the car. Boom. <laughs> so he... <laughs> Putting on a show for the neighborhood for the kids, yeah, yeah, for the, for yeah. the kids who were budding, budding gearheads. And then he went in the house and had dinner with, uh, you know, the fam, yeah, yeah, and uh, Mickey Newt. And uh, after supper, he would come out in the garage and run his carbard engines business. Oh, out of the out of the uh, garage. Yeah. What is carbard engines? Well, anybody that was doing go kart racing would bring their engines to him because he could tune them up and soup them up a little bit and certainly could get them going. But, you know, I remember Dad not being real happy with Larry starting up two-cycle racing engines at 10 o'clock at night. At night. Oh, man. So he wasn't the kind of Dad saying, hey, you kids hold it down out there. He was the one making the noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when, when Craig got this Avenger GT12 to the point of, Okay, not only did we get the old body off, but now, now he's got a Corvair engine and a kit to mount it onto the VW transaxle. So now he's got a six-cylinder Corvair engine with aluminum flywheel 
and nice ported heads and uh, all this <laughs> whiz bang stuff. So, but well, there was one problem. The Corvair engine spun in the direction opposite of the Volkswagen engine. Uh-oh. So now you got four speeds in reverse and, and a real granny gear forward, and that's it. <laughs> but Larry said, well, we can flip the ring and pinion over, and it'll reverse everything. And we did. We watched him did. Oh, he did. He did. Oh, okay, he did. Uh, I, I, I still don't know exactly how that goes, but I remember that being a big deal. That is, that sounds like a, a very big deal. Yeah. All so, right. Well, that is a, that is a, a, a capsule summary of Bill's young, I, w- I would say childhood, but we'll say young manhood uh, and uh, uh, obviously led on to bigger and better things from there. All right. Well, thank you for your time. I, I've enjoyed it. And uh, we didn't we'll, we'll violate s- the time too much. No, we'll sign off from there. <laughs>